episode 12. Today is May... It's the 26th. 26th. Okay, so you just... 2017. Yeah, yeah. good point. Um, so, good morning, Brandy. Good morning, Tenley. Um, good morning, Todd. Good morning, Tenley. And good morning, Dan. Good morning, Tenley. All right. Um, great to see you all here. Thanks for coming. Um, I'm going to say just a few words about how this particular podcast um, came about. Um, I know Dan. I've known Dan uh, Dan for 23 years. I've known Todd for maybe 10 years or so, 12, 12 even, probably. 12 years. And um, but they've never met. And um, I was having a beer with my husband and Todd, and he said, I'm interested in spending some time each week on immigration in Colorado. And I said, I know just the person you need to talk to. (laughs) His name is Dan Kowalski. He's an immigration uh, lawyer with a lot. Alet. So uh, I'm here to essentially just be a fly on the wall for this conversation as you talk about, Todd, what you're interested in doing, what you hope to do, and then hearing uh, Dan's responses to that and maybe a few extra snippets for our listeners um, in case there are things that don't apply to you directly, Todd. So, Todd, why why is this a priority for you right now? Um, I hate to ruin that great introduction, but maybe (laughs) to take just a step back. Yeah. um, And this is what I'd like to talk to you, Dan, about today is... um, I might frame it as I'm really interested in exploring how I can be of some service to society. Um, I am a a bit now. uh, I'm not sure this is where I fit in, which I think is in part why Timmy set this up, is I have no law background. Um, It's a subject I'm interested in, and we can go into that a little bit. But um, I don't want to make any promises that I'm signing on the bottom line. More exploration and... uh, I spent some time on your website and heard, of course, wonderful things about you and what you're doing from Tenley. So I expect to learn a lot today. Good. Exploration is good. Um, So back to your question, Tenley. Um, Let's see. I am... uh, I've recently taken a very long sabbatical uh, from work. Uh, End of last year was my last time working uh, in the job that I did. And a lot of that focus was on uh, discrimination and especially disparities in contracting for uh, women, minorities, uh, different ethnicities. Uh, And it was an eye-opening experience. There's quite a problem out there with discrimination still that you wouldn't expect that I wouldn't expect to see in some of the areas that I was working in. But, you know, like black-owned firms in in, uh, California were getting pennies on the dollar of what you would expect them to get um, relative to their availability in the marketplace to do that sort of work. Um, So this... uh, So there are communities... uh, sort of different than the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant uh, communities out there who, to me, seem really to be having a struggle. Um, You know, I worked... I have a little over six years in the military, uh, which, to me, was kind of the great melting pot um, of people that, you know, the people I served with 
from all different countries uh, that happen to be in the United States military, um, all different backgrounds, education levels, areas of the country, um, really opened my eyes to, uh, I don't know, the value everyone brings, uh, not just regardless of how they were brought up or where they're from, but especially, I think, because of it. And then growing up to some degree in the San Francisco Bay Area kind of had another melting pot feel right. to it. Um, yeah, so I have been I don't know, trying to figure out what to do. Um, I have a lot of hobbies and interests, and, uh, you know, I could spend all my time backpacking. But I've... Um, but that doesn't really feel like uh, giving some service, mm-hmm. uh, working with veterans. Um, the veteran piece still really interests me, mm-hmm. just given my background. Um, and it's uh, somewhat ridiculous what's happening in this country right it now. Is, it is. And I don't know, it just feels something like me, and right. we don't really know how. I don't. My Spanish is atrocious, though I'm working on this. Uh, I played lawyer once in a while in discrimination <laughs> law, probably horribly, and I don't know the first thing. How's it stop them? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, so the question for me is, um, Colorado, like, um, you're probably familiar with uh, Puente, Arizona. Yes. Uh, New York Times earlier this week or last week. Um, or is there something that, like, or, you know, how's the process working? Um, what can one do to help out at this point? lot to say, um, but to jump into it quickly and answer, there are two organizations, at least two in Colorado, that are right on point for someone like Coalition. Uh, the acronym is CIRC, and on the web it's Colorado. Um, they, they provide some legal work, but it's mostly social. They always need volunteers. Of course they need money. All organizations need money. But more than that, they uh, working with clients, answering phones, going out in the field. So that's that's number one is Colorado Immigrant Rights Coalition. Broad focus. Um, if you want to drill down into immigration law, found many many years ago, is the Rocky Mountain Immigrant Advocacy Network. It's R M I A N dot O R G. And even though the lane. So it's, <laughs> um, and they provide free immigration. So they're focused on people who are in what we used to call deportation proceedings. Now, technically, it's called removal proceedings in detention, which is an especially vulnerable group. So also need volunteers to do a broad variety of things. So give them a telephone call and they will suck up as much time as you can afford. Um, other cities, and it's it's part of what I call witnessing. That it, there are there are two venues. One is uh, downtown uh, in immigration proceedings. Uh-huh. Go see an immigration judge, but it's it's in a the county court. You can go to federal court, state court. You can go to immigration court hmm. and sit in the because if you sit there for a couple hours or a day and just see the people coming and going and see how see how the clients are treated see how the government lawyer behaves. Uh, it's um, startling, to say the least. Hmm. And that, it, that'll that be a... a uh, Sorry to interrupt, Dan. Sure. You, um, yeah. So the locations of those? It says 19th and Stout, maybe. It's been so long since I've been in immigration court. Okay. Yeah. It's a young person's game. Outside Den- Denver, or do they all oh, go Oh, they're all this? over the country. 
Right, but I mean, with in the state of Colorado, attend the detained immigration courts as well. But that's harder to. Technically, they're open to the public, even in the detained setting. Okay. Where the immigrants are. Wow. And also, could you say a little bit more? Just clarify why those immigrants. Because, um, as opposed to criminal court, where you're entitled to choice, they can three choices: they can represent themselves, which is a bad idea, or they can get a volunteer lawyer, like one of the lawyers that remain. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, footnote: uh, New York City has recently provided seen immigrant in deportation proceedings, removal proceedings, gets a lawyer. But wow. that's New York City could do that. Right. Interesting. And, and uh, the statistics are, your chances of winning, of staying, are infinitely greater. Hmm. Uh, over uh, countrywide, I think it's about half. Oh, wow. So, again, half the people, and, but uh, I think it's about half. So half of the people in immigration court don't have lawyers, opposed to... Um, not advocate for them, but at least what's available to them. Mm-hmm. But that depends on the judge. There are good judges and bad judges. Do you have to have a law degree to represent somebody, or can there... So you you can represent directly if you have a, a, a law degree. Patient through the Board of Immigration Appeals um, for people who have been trained, see, like Catholic Charities, mm-hmm. um, and in in worry on the books, if uh, if I were in proceedings, and you, as long as you don't get paid, and as long as you, you oh, know, okay, so. just because we have a it w- representing me, so. right? So, if on the other hand I was detained, I would call you. Well, it's, it's I think maybe it's a good time to back up and think about two things. Call proud of that, but um, and then just immigration history in general. Yeah, that'd be great. United States. <laughs> so, um, Colorado was of the wars we had back in the 70s and 80s about uh, bilingual education. That when Colorado became a state, its state constitution was Spanish and German. Wow. Because there were so many German immigrants in Colorado at that time. Okay. The constitution in three languages. Mm-hmm. So we need to think about our own, I think. Mm-hmm. The other thing is to go back and, and look at U.S. immigration law. And, but um, really, for the first hundred years as a country, we didn't have any immigration law. And, Not exactly. Uh, well, except well. for slavery. Slavery. Right. Slavery. Yes. 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 Slavery. Georgia was founded as a debtor's colony. You either mm-hmm. paid your debts or you got shipped off to Georgia. It did our nation's it history. Yeah. It is. Um, around the age laws... And it was to keep people out. Um, the railroads had been built. And so the, uh, the first set of immigration laws are in the rotative. They were saying, this is the kind of person we don't want to let in. And it was basically criminals, pauper. That went on in around about the 1920s. And that's when everything really started, in my opinion, to go to hell. Because per country or per region then you're going to have people who want to get around until today our immigration law has just gotten tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter or Mm. something more useful but because our thousand immigration lawyers in the country whose job is to pound uh, because it's so difficult it's so tight 
the number of visas and instances to work or study is so tight that it, it takes lawyers to... My wife's family on her mother's side, I think, I'm not sure, I'm not absolutely sure about the date, the four sisters, I think, came up to Los Angeles from Mexico in the teen, show up, apply for citizenship, and be done at that point. In, in the teens, uh, probably there was, I'd have to go back and look at the chart. In fact, if you want... Just Google or, or we, we'll put the we'll put the link either yes. on right. our Facebook Live. Okay. We'll put it on civicsyrup.com. Okay. Well, okay. after after our recording Good. session is over, we Good. can put up any links that Good. we referenced during the recording. Good. Yeah. Good. There, I, before I came here, I looked up a couple. There are a few. Um, if you Google immigration uh, timeline or U.S. Okay. immigration history yeah, timeline, that's interesting. they have five or ten different versions of. What happened year to year? Uh-huh. So I'd have to go back and look at that to figure out what happened in, in your yeah. but, grandparents' case. But it was easy. Simply put, it it's, it's a lot easier. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, and now it seems um, it's very hard. Yeah, it, it. I don't know. It seems nigh on impossible. I think I was aware, and especially right. that you know, if people have representation. Right. Um, it's a lot more likely that they get them about what's going on down in Phoenix. Right. It really felt like right. people now, if they show up, uh, right. they're gone. Right. And you had a question about that, too, right? Yeah, in terms Detention. of activity and how immigration enforcement has changed recently, in the recent past, regards to the state of Colorado. Yeah. I mean, I'm aware of... Um, Arthur Roman, who was on the cover of... Uh, yeah, yeah people, and right. so we'll we'll include that on our uh, right. on our website as well when we look profile cases. Right. Right. Um, I was listening to Colorado Matters a couple evenings ago, and a couple of the you know people who are scared about deportation are just being scared. That's the opposite of what I would have thought. I would have thought that there's things going on that we're not, at, and if you have you know, some hard data on that. I, I don't have hard numbers, but Yale and the fear is legitimate. Mm -hmm. uh, I just uh, posted this morning to my blog, BIBDaily.com. Say that one more time. BIBDaily.com. BIBDaily.com. <laughs> right. It sounds in today's or yesterday's L.A. Times about a woman, green card, originally 20, more than 20 years ago, through the first uh, amnesty, the Reagan years, she had some legal problem that landed her uh, temporarily at her, but the county called ICE, this is in L.A., for probably a day, maybe more, even though she's a U.S. citizen. She was only released when her daughter, her daughter brought in to the ICE detention center her mother's passport. Do undocumented no, immigrants. This applies to any and all immigrants. You're a target. Um, and so she's, I, I think she's fine. Enforcement has ramped up around the country, and it's shifted away from the border to the drug smuggling and and uh, uh, people smuggling. Not much activity at the at the border in terms of the the old type of, of refugees from Central America are still trying to get in, but it's, it's enforcement efforts to the interior. Um, and so the Colorado courthouses where ICE no. officers know that there's someone they're looking for, traffic ticket or...
whatever, and they'll wait for them and they'll pick them up there in court. Just today, Drew Institute, a new process in one of the Colorado courts. Uh, you don't have to show you. Yeah, the city council just, I think, passed yes. a measure yes. that changed a lot of the sentencing guidelines That's right. to get away from like one year mandatory That's or right. one year That's minimum sentencing exactly. and that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so that's Colorado's way of kind of working around right. that system. The uptick exactly. in enforcement from the federal exactly. level. Okay. Or at least Denver's way. Denver's right. way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, another organization that, and I'll send all of these links to you Great. so you can put them up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get educated but also get involved on a more national scale is uh, the National Immigration Law Center, NILC.org. I used to be on their board. I'm no longer on their board, but it's, in my opinion, the premier national uh, immigration advocacy group. They're, they're involved in law. They're involved in policy, education. And you shared some posts from them on, on our page a few months back, right. the red cards. And oh, yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that's actually a different organization, but it's also oh. worth looking at ILRC, Immigration Law Resource Center. Uh-huh. card. They will send you for free a, a packet of 100, and in Spanish, they, they say three simple rules, basically, unless they have a warrant, which they never do. So we've ordered. Never? Um, I've not. Um, some kind of order from an immigration judge, but it's not a, not a warrant from, that, that we immigrants all, anybody, do have. Anybody, anybody present in the country. That's don't speak, don't sign, don't open the door. Got it. Yeah, very important. Yeah. Very Because they say too much, they sign the wrong thing, and they open the door. And mm-hmm. next yeah, and other stories yeah. like this make, made it quite clear, like. Yeah. Um, you get pulled over in your car, and you're, you can give your name, but not your birth date, not your background or anything else. Right, exactly. A lot of police don't. National, you know, education is nice, um, I think, kind of in terms, so it to is. speak. It's Absolutely. Not, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, that's one of the good things about the one in layman's terms. I mean, you can get as wonky and as technical as you want really fast. Yeah. But um, And there's also some crazy stuff out there, too, Some, in my view. No, like you're kidding. negative stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, and I was World Wide Web. Yeah, the, the flip side of us pit. I feel like, yeah. I mean, even just the good stuff. I right, mean, you right. could read that forever and ever and ever. Your guidance for somebody who... You know, do a little bit of education sure. and then translate. Of course, my website, bitdaily.com. Nice. Uh, but allA.org uh, has its website and it has a five. They have a nonprofit uh, lobbying and, and educational group that taxes and immigrants and employment and immigrants and you name it. So there's, again, a ton of information out there. On the flip side, if you go to one of the, uh, or Strange, uh, just give me a call and say, is, and I'll tell you. So. I'm just thinking about, so there's a lot of wonderful resources out there, but engaging people in the community who have no idea, advocacy groups that are doing active outreach to say, you know, if you get pulled. There's right. a right, oh, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have one. I, I mean, I would take them to. I mean, 
don't hand them out to people who look different. <laughs> but I mean, has in trouble. And, and you, you, you know, everybody, these rules apply to everybody, you know. Um, so, yeah, I would take him to my kid's school and, um, yeah, just, you know. I, the, the first organization I mentioned, CIRC, Colorado Immigrant Rights Coalition, mm-hmm. reaching out to, to people who uh, don't know what their rights are and don't remain is, is more technical, more, more legal. But CIRC is more general and individual efforts, too. For example, um, where I live up in the mountains, he has he's very pro-immigrant um, and has started uh, an effort called the, the SAINT Project. And I forget what it stands for. It's an acronym. Mm-hmm. But it, it is to counter uh, negative news stories and negatives who promote stories about the heroism and the positive things that auto. Yeah. So take a look at Polis aside, Jared Polis aside, polis.house.gov politics. Um, <clears throat> all of us I know, most of us since, and we're all part of indivisible groups and uh, on and on. Uh, one of the things to um, uh, Senator Gardner's office, Senator Bennett's office, Congressman Polis, and I come to know the staffer in uh, in Fort Collins, just know his voice, he knows my voice. But I've, I've started to hammer on a very simple message. And it could be a specific bill or it could be in general. Uh, I'll say, if votes yes on this bill or votes no on this bill, or does this or does that, that's all they care about is yeah. being reelected. Yep. I hate to be cynical, but. No, but that's very true. They really do. So yep. this bill is okay, it's safe. Yeah. You get reelected. It's so not do the right. My second message is, and I put a little, I'm on Huffington Post, and I have some essays on Huffington Post, that immigrants in general and more immigration more broadly make all of these, instead of harping on facts like, well, if we raise the quota, which may be true, but who cares? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. totally nerdy and wonky. Mm-hmm. Stronger, safer, richer, freer. And here's how. And my little essay yeah. goes into that. Do you have a short elevator? Speech, you know, when someone says, "Why are you interested in this?" Pop- but I didn't ask. <laughs> yeah, you know, Dan, how you like, got into it, this? Do you have something you rattle off in my, my origin see, story, Batman? Well, like, yeah, <laughs> I'd be interested in the origin story, it? but I'm also <laughs> interested in just, uh, you know, like contributing members sure. of society, or these are households, or yeah. like, how do you bring the personal cocktail party talk where I'm in a room in a party and somebody or be deported. And somehow, whoever's speaking finds out more chips or another drink or something, and the person follows me. And when we're together, you know, I know what I said over there, deport them all, but I've got this friend. Get out. Can, can you help me? Get <laughs> out of <laughs> town. Yeah, yeah. Can you help me? And, and they say, because this one. This one, one, this one is a good, good one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I say, sign them up. You know, come, I'll, I'll come talk to them and see what I can. Neighbors, friends, relatives, co-workers who either are immigrants or none large, they're all the good ones. So we need to remember that. I, I, I was totally aimless in high school and most of college. I had no clue what I was going to do. You can be flailing and still six. English teacher teaching ESL to Mexican business executives, Hmm. and they couldn't afford to pay us, so they, I had to. 
do something else. So I thought I was going to be a water lawyer because I had an uncle who was a very famous water lawyer in Colorado. And of course, I started working at a law, water law firm, and I discovered I hated it. But as an elective. And I, I enjoyed it, but I kind of filed it away. Mm. I really did water law. I thought, well, now what am I going to do? So I sent out my resume to every immigration attorney in Denver. And I got a job. And as soon as I said, this is, yeah, this is what I was supposed to do. So it's, you know, 32 years. How important is it to, to be bilingual? To, not necessarily. How uh, important is it? Um, it's not necessary, but it's helpful. It's helpful. It's helpful. It's not more than language is uh, travel. If you have traveled internationally and, and, and walked in poverty, um, fact. Um, and on the flip side, I, I are upset because for decades, everyone in their little town looked and sounded just like them. And then suddenly, about 10, 15, 20 years ago, there are a bunch of Salvadorans and Mexicans showing up. And what's happening to my town, to my country? Yeah. And if you've never traveled, and if you don't speak a second language, whether it's French, German, Spanish, whatever, those kinds of social changes feel disruptive to your psychic well-being. So a second language is great, but I think even more important is, is foreign travel, especially to, to a country that has, I mean, we have poverty in America, you just go two blocks from here and see poverty, but I'm talking about a different level yeah. of poverty. Yeah, and you said walk in poverty. Can you say yeah. more about what you mean by that? Literally. I mean, get out on the streets and walk around and get lost and see how people live and, uh-huh. and spend days or weeks uh, with really poor people. And, you know, it's, it's transformative. When and where have you done that? Fortunately, I was dragged there uh, by my parents when I was a kid. We went to Mexico, uh, rural Mexico, on spring break. Uh, we had a Volkswagen van and we all piled in. And drove there drove from down, Colorado, from Denver down to Mexico, and we were staying in a pretty nice uh, uh, motel. But it was a little dinky town, and we would walk around the town, and it was really poor. Uh-huh. And you know, I'm a kid from Denver. What do I know about the poverty here? And, and but that really opened my eyes. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Did that answer your question, Todd? As <laughs> to kind of, um, I guess in our. I know that you're focused primarily the country, but, okay. but mostly here in Colorado. Yeah. So what are you seeing over the last couple of months or year? A lot of inquiries. Um, sadly, what's happening at the agency, you know, there are several agencies, or a person hires me to work on a visa. What happens is that my staff and I put together the stack of paperwork, and we ship it off to an office, an immigration office. And unfortunately... Uh, and this is this really predates Trump. This has been going on for years. Um, uh, that, that is my neighbor. We're, oh. we're, we're in a co-working space. We're in a co-working space. <laughs> you hear a boing random, boing sound? It's coming noises. from next door. <laughs> um, the the agencies have shifted into more of a, a no mode, mm. meaning. Packages that we used to file 
5, 10, 15, 20 years ago that would get approved with no question, now they get kicked back saying, well, we need more. Explain this or that. Mm. Prove this or that. Mm. So we, we waste a lot of time with back and forth proving stuff that we really shouldn't have to prove and that we didn't have to prove five years ago or ten years ago. And that seems like a, a real use of uh, resources on both ends. Exactly. I mean, not only for you, but on the government. Yes. And somebody yes. has to... Slowing things down. Yeah, just through, down the process. Yeah. Down the process. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And That's a problem. Is there anything that citizens can do about that? Um, tell when on your daily calls to your senators and your representatives, say... Make sure that all our federal agencies have the, enough funding and enough staffing to do their jobs. Mm. Because, you know, the new budget, uh, proposed budget, is trying to strip every agency yeah. mm -hmm. to the bone and strip their funding. Which so is crazy. Is, um, yeah. Sorry. Right. <laughs> is, is, oh, ICE ICE. Being, uh, is ICE being stripped no, or no? Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. In, anything no. enforcement of military or quasi-military like ICE is being ramped up. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, and that's another thing. Uh, there's a there's a sort of an internal fight is not the right word, but a debate right now because um, some politicians want uh, DHS to hire more. CBP officers, Customs and Border Protection officers, very quickly. Um, yeah, do away with the, the lie detector polygraph yeah, test. Right, yeah. right. So that's that's a question. You know, do you want young men with guns prone uh, to abuse power anyway? Prone to abuse power anyway uh, on the border without the proper training and background check. So, but that costs money. That takes time. So anyway. Yeah, it's. Uh, Todd, I mean, you're kind of like taking this all in. From the time that you came in, or before, mm -hmm. what your thoughts were, what are you thinking now? Uh, Is your head spinning? Does <laughs> he run, run screaming from here? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. No, I think it... I think there, it, I'm optimistic that there are some easy ways to dip one's toe in the water mm -hmm. um, and try to help. Yeah. Like any... At the very least, witnessing. Go to immigration yeah. court and just sit in the back. And you can do that any day. You know, you have a cancellation, head down there. Yeah. 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 And it's, I've it's given a lot of time to not-for-profits and uh, generally have found that it, the wrong approach is to, like, put your foot in the door and say, I'm going to change the world to make such a big difference, right? Right, yeah. right, right. It's yeah. instead they want people who put in the time, understand the organization right. and their process, right. um, help out where they can right. and eventually other opportunities to help come your way right. and it sounds like you've given some you've given me some entry-level steps right. that are much that are like that and I I, know, I find that encouraging to be um, you know maybe this is an aside but maybe it works with this uh, community service bent that we're talking yeah. about is um, that uh, doing it to like build up your sense of self and your ego always seems like a mistake. Change the world right. yeah. is just a quick way to burn out. Right. And so, right. you know, these, um, yeah, so my head's not really spinning. I mean, I understand these problems and, yeah, just makes me want to help out a little bit more. Good. Uh, do you ever get up to Longmont? Not very. They, El Comité de Longmont, that's been around for 20 years, maybe more. 
Um, and College of Spanish, right? Right. Yeah. Um, can you translate that? I, the committee. I mean, the committee? The committee, okay. the committee of Longmont. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, a social group, um, uh, non-lawyer empowerment uh, for mostly Spanish-speaking, mostly immigrants, but really anyone who classes, ESL classes, um, they have outreach, they're grassroots. It was started by one woman, I forget her name, uh, it was still the sort of titular very well funded in, in Longmont. So, um, um, but, uh, and, and I'm sure the mayor's office is going to get involved in, in policy or, or more just nitty gritty like patients need office help answering the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's our only opportunity to participate in this conversation. Mm-hmm. At least I know from what I've heard in Colorado yeah. and even in Denver and Longmont that you can it's pitch you don't you don't really know anything about this organization. I, you know, yeah. I've got some great ideas and these people have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. And I just off viewers, right. you know, because I think a lot everyone kind of wants to jump in. That's kind of the purpose of our platform. But a great point that crossed my mind when you were talking about, you know, the new activism and indivisible groups mm-hmm. and things like that. And you know, one of my concerns is that some the wheel mm-hmm. and take space from organizations that have already been doing this for decades, not what we're doing here at Civic Syrup. In fact we're trying to really amplify these organizations that have people so not that not that newer grassroots organizations are are bad at all inventing the wheel or am i supporting work that's already being dying taught to about um you know you're not going to change the world in one day this for a long time and know kind of what what the hoops are, what the pace is. Todd, like, do you have any more questions for, for Dan today? Um, we seem to touch a lot on immigration issues, visas, um, deportation, etc. Is there an avenue, are there any avenues to explore with refugee populations? And most immigration lawyers don't because it's handled by uh, that are dedicated to refugee processing. They has been vetted and processed overseas at Wanaket, and they show up at DIA or JFK with this packet, and they're admitted as refugees. They're already sponsored by a group like Catholic Charities or one of one of the others. I, I should have. I'll look it up and I'll send it. Sure. Yeah. We'll there put are that on our refugee sure groups in Colorado yeah. that are focused on refugees, and that's their only focus. Mm-hmm. That's their only funding is to. Uh, welcome the new refugees, they know who they are, they try to get them housing, they try to get them jobs, they try to get them language training. Um, so, And that process yeah. of getting that refugee visa mm-hmm. takes years, is my can, understanding. Can, especially if you're from the Middle East, right? Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. And the numbers are very low. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and getting lower. And getting lower, that's right, that's right, that's uh, unfortunate. Um, but if you are, I know you're a musician, but if you're interested in language too, ESL might be something you might want to work into. Yeah, my mother-in-law does that. Yeah. No. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, and I think there's... her Spanish is fluent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, oddly enough, you don't necessarily need a second sure. language to be an effective ESL teacher. I have German as a second language, but there's not a lot of demand for that. Well, but the fact you have German, the fact you can read music... I mean, you're all yeah, potentially. Yeah. 
Well, and uh, I think going back to the refugee um, topic, uh, there are, you can also, I know that there's a, a sponsorship program, too, right. for people who want to volunteer right. their time yeah. and, and exactly. really just right. get right. refugees yeah. acclimated to the yeah. community. And, and in a sense, uh, I've never thought about it until just now, but I can see how working with refugees might be less stressful and less fraught because we brought them here. They're they're here legally. We want them here. Yeah. You know, they're we're it's sort of our job to include them. Yeah. And in other words, we're not playing defense. If if you're working with uh, Remain or CIRC, you're sort of on the defense team. Right. And that's stressful. Yeah. It brings its own set of stressors but if you're on the refugee team it's the the stressors come from uh, people who don't want refugees or are afraid of immigrants in general right but that's that's easier to deal with if you know that the people that you are working with we brought here right. and are welcomed here. they've been vetted yeah, yeah exactly yeah the flip, the flip side uh I guess I play devil's advocate yeah, yeah. well. The um, you know young children coming here from El Salvador mm-hmm. or probably soon Venezuela mm-hmm. um, or just many people who've come mm-hmm. up here, they're they don't have that refugee status, right. but they're refugees. Mm, yeah. right. I mean, to right, some right. degree, right? Exactly. Economic exactly. refugees sure, or sure. Right, right. from social unrest, right? Mm-hmm. right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where Remain and CIRC can help because they're trying to help that population. Right. They're trying to help them get asylum status or get some kind of legal status. And how hard is that to, to get? Difficult. And yeah. More difficult every day. It's really, really tough. Um, so, you know. And, and back to the, the elevator speech or a little part of it. Um, uh, people say, well, why don't they this is a common phrase, why don't they just get in line and get a visa instead of sneaking over the border? And I, I wrote a piece for the Washington Post a couple of years ago, and it's, you can find it on my blog. It's five myths about the line. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that of the 11, 12 million people who are here undocumented, they would love to get in line if there were. They'd love to get a visa if there were one to get. But for for a variety of reasons, mostly our statute, there's no visa. There's no line. Yeah. So there, That's there's... That's not an option for that. There is option. no line. There is no line. Mm-hmm. Right. And even some of the lines are crazy long. For example, the quota for brothers and sisters. Let's say I'm an American citizen. I have a sister in Spain, and I want to get her a green card. Well, there are so few visas in that quote in that category that um, oh, not Spain. Let's say Philippines. She's going to have to wait thirty or forty years. Wow! So what? That's wow. like not really an option. Right. Right. She could. She might not be alive at that time, right, <laughs> depending exactly. so, on how old she is. So yeah. again, the message to Congress, to Senator Cory Gardner, or Senator Bennett, is is, is look, it's a numb statute of siblings. Let's triple that number. Let's quadruple that number. It's not going to 
America will not fall apart if we have more immigrants with, with green cards. In fact, we'll be stronger, safer, richer, freer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we may have already covered the answer to this question, but I'd like to ask all of our guests this as well, including you, Todd. So, but first, Dan, um, I try to ask all of our guests if there were one thing that everyone in the state of Colorado could know that would make your job easier, what would it be? That there's nothing to be afraid of. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Do you remember the movie Heaven Can Wait with Warren Beatty and uh, forget the other stars, but that was his tagline is there's nothing to be afraid of. We have nothing to fear, but fear itself, one <laughs> might even say. back even further. Yeah. Nice. And right. how about you, Tom? Yeah. I mean, I, I can't I, follow that up. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to second yeah. that. Yeah, I just second that one. <laughs> <laughs> of emotion, yeah. yeah. Well, well, immigrants are not the problem. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah. I, I was really, um, I guess, in the, while well, I'm seconding things, um, that your piece about international travel, um, you know, there's so many quotes about it, right? How it opens your eyes, and you realize that my society, my way of life, is not the one, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I did uh, a little over four years in the army in Germany, right? You know, with these crazy diverse populations in the military, and then you know to look to live in Germany. Um, and see their issues back, this is about 1990, give or take a couple years on either side, with um, Turkish populations and Vietnamese populations that they had imported. Right. They had brought over for their labor issues. But, you know, and then the poverty you see, you saw at the time, at least around Southern Europe, it really does open your eyes. Mm-hmm. You kind of come to understand that... Um, Solidifying what you have as a community right now right. is not really an option. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not and the way the world works. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I think for if you know if world travel is is not an option for you, mm-hmm. you know, go to Pine Ridge Reservation. South yeah. Florida. Exactly. You know, I mean, just go, go open your eyes right. to another world right. yeah. because we get so settled in in where mm-hmm. we're at yeah. and have a really hard time putting ourselves in others' shoes, and it's, um, yeah, you know, like Mexico, Oklahoma, yeah. yeah. Yeah, my cousin here takes uh, hay down every year to the Navajo Reservation, mm-hmm. um, and food, you know, there's so much need locally, and the level of poverty on some of our Native American reservations is just incredible, too. Yeah. I mean, that is, especially for somebody living in the United States and and to experience that within our own country, Mm -hmm. I think is eye-opening and and alarming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Dan, I'm wondering if you would be willing to say a little bit in Spanish here at the end of our podcast for anything that you'd like to say to people who are solely Spanish-speaking. perhaps including that tidbit about there's nothing to be afraid of. I would, that message is pertinent to everybody, I I hope. Yes, let's see if I can do that. No hay nada que temer. Yes, what what else could I say? You could talk a little bit about yourself, what what people can do uh, if they do speak Spanish to get involved, perhaps, or... 
Let's do that on another podcast. On another podcast. Yeah. All right, folks. Exclusively. That's excellent. <laughs> Dan has volunteered to be on our podcast. Ah, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> and then Todd will have some uh, volunteering experience. And yeah. We'll bring, but if we'll it's bring exclusively the... Spanish, you might be Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. German. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you speak German, too? I don't. Oh. Okay. Well, you speak in Spanish. You speak in German. We'll see how that goes. How about that? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and you could do it in English. That would represent the three languages of the oh, Constitution yes. publications. Yes, excellent. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Todd, so much for being here and for thank allowing Brandy and I to just um, both interject and also observe the conversation. I think oh, wait, it's been great. What about my Twitter feed? Oh, please announce your Twitter feed. Dan. At DKBIB. At DKBIB. That's a good one. Nice and short. I think we're going to have to put a blog post together with all the resources that were mentioned throughout this podcast so that people just have a quick at your fingertips. Here's where everything is. Should come Um, right up um, at civicsyrup.com. We'll try to get to that quickly. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.